Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick, and I'm here with my friend Zach. Hey, everybody. So, just a few days ago, PAX happened, and we got a bunch of information about Guilds of Ravnica. So, in this episode, we're going to be talking about the mechanics of Guilds of Ravnica, some of the spoiled cards so, that we've gotten so far, and then a couple other miscellaneous things about Ravnica and its release that are new and exciting and worth discussing. Yeah, and I think this we're, we're probably going to have another like bigger episode about this. This is just like, this just came out, so we wanted to bring it up. Yeah, so I think we'll get started talking with the, about the mechanics. So there are four new mechanics and one returning mechanic in Guilds of Ravnica. The returning mechanic is Convoke, which again is going to be the Celestia mechanic. For Boros, we have Mentor, which is whenever this creature attacks, put a plus one plus one counter on target attacking creature with less power. For the Is It, we have Jumpstart, which is sort of like flashback. Yeah. It's you may cast this spell from your graveyard by discarding a card in addition to paying its other costs, then exile this card. For the Golgari, we have Undergrowth. It's not a... Uh, what is it? The key? Ability word? Yeah, it's an ability word. It just cares about creatures in your graveyard. Yeah, so it's a lot of scaling effects based on the number of creatures in your graveyard. The one card we've seen so far is target creature gets minus X minus X until end of turn, where X is the number of creature cards in your graveyard. I'm a big fan of scaling effects, so yeah, I'd like to see where they go with that. Depending on how powerful it is, there are you know, a number of self-mill decks in this format, so there could be good additions to things like Sidisi yeah. or the Phoenix self-mill decks. Yeah, I mean, Bone Horde has been very good for a long time, so yeah, they, they could very easily print something that's a pretty decent power level. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to see what they come up with for that. For the Demir, we have Surveil. So Surveil is extremely similar to Scry, the only difference being instead of putting the card on the bottom of your library you have the option to put it in your graveyard. So it's a great way to fill your graveyard, and there's so many decks in Commander that play well out of their graveyard. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, we've good only seen format. We've only seen Surveil 1 cards, but I'm assuming there's going to be like there's Surveil a, yeah, 3 or decent 4. decent chance of getting more. So what are your impressions of these mechanics? Yeah, so the these mechanics... Uh, I feel like they're a lot more representative of what the guilds want to do um which is cool mm -hmm. uh that's a really like nice thing that hasn't always been the truth they're very simple i think that was like people are looking at them like they're like really bad or that's kind of like some discussion so so i looked bad. through a little bit of the the commentary on reddit yeah like, you know keeping our finger on the pulse of that community yeah <laughs> and it didn't seem like it was strongly negative but there definitely was a feeling that these mechanics weren't very uh, innovative or new yeah. or I, complex I, I think that's definitely true but like just looking at them like this i feel like they work together pretty well just because there's already a few lines of play between some of the mechanics and yeah uh like obviously surveil and undergrowth work together really well um, convoke like having tokens and mentor works together pretty well so surveilling and jumpstart yeah surveilling well. jumpstart works really well so there's a, a bunch of different ways that these can mix and match so i think the format's actually going to be pretty deep once we actually get a full spoiler going mm -hmm. um but that's kind of i don't know like I, that 
I like the mecha- these mechanics all seem like they could be cool in theory. So of these mechanics, I am the biggest fan of jumpstart, surveil, and undergrowth. I think those are the most exciting ones because yeah, that's yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of discard outlets. Um, so I think that jumpstart is exciting in that regards. Um, yeah, especially for those colors that don't normally get super good ones. <laughs> yeah, and then I like filling my graveyard. I'm happy about surveil. Um, and then undergrowth, as I mentioned, there's a lot of decks that could potentially get a lot of value on off out of, out of that. Uh, mentor is yeah, it's kind of it's it's I I understand why why it's there like what it's gonna do. I don't know if we're gonna get like a commander playable card mm-hmm. out of that. Like probably maybe like one. There's just probably be one aggressive enough. I mean, one. It, there's just so few like good decks that would run like just aggressive creatures that don't do a lot else yeah it's the the one thing i'm thinking of is that if there's a white like a mono white boros creature with mentor like for a deck that cares about plus one plus one counters at some point in time Mm -hmm. um because you do need that critical mass so that's kind of what i'm hoping to see is for like a deck that doesn't exist (laughs) i think like a, a two cost three one mentor something like that i could imagine that in like jazal goldmane yeah that that would be a because there's so many like low power creatures in that deck that would make a lot of sense. Yeah, I'm worried that they're gonna make uh, a bunch more goblins with mentor because we don't need more. like goblins are great. I love goblins, but we need we need to branch out for red. <laughs> I was hoping we get more stuff so, instead of just aggressive goblins. Anything else you want to add on the the subject of the mechanics, or do you want to move on to the cards? Uh, no, yeah, let's just talk about some of the cards. So we'll start with the one legendary creature that has been spoiled out of the the cards we've seen so far. So that is Amara, Soul of the Accord. She is a green-white for a legendary elf cleric, and she is a 2-2. And then she has, whenever Amara becomes tapped, create a 1-1 white soldier creature token with lifelink. What do you think of this card? I like this way more than the other <laughs> one. <laughs> I was trying to think of ways to combo with it, and there aren't really that many. Like, my preliminary gatherer searches have shown me maybe, like, ten cards that are pretty decent. Mm -hmm. There's not a whole lot of options, but I think she could be more interesting than Reese the Redeemed as a white token commander. Just because to get the initial token out of him... That's, that's a lot of mana. It's a lot of mana. And then to doing the doubling, yeah, it's great when doubling is... If you have a lot of stuff to double, that's that's pretty good, but it's still like a huge mana investment. Six mana every single turn. And that's only really good once you've already had a lot of time to build up your board. So with Amara, you know, she comes down early, and then depending on... There's a lot of like one drops that you could get on the board and then start doing stuff with her yeah pretty much immediately so if she can pump out tokens faster and then the amount of mana you're spending to do so is much sm- smaller yeah i mean you could run like spring leaf drum and like loam dread and stuff yeah pretty, pretty easily the the sexiest card i've seen so far is nature's chosen which is a <laughs> one mana aura enchant creature you control for a single green you can pay zero to untap enchanted creature, activate this ability only during your turn and only once each turn. That's whatever. It's the second ability that's really sweet. So tap enchanted creature, untap target artifact, creature, or land. Activate this ability only if enchanted creature is white and is untapped and only once each turn. <laughs> so fortunately, Amara is white, 
basically what this means is that on every player's turn, within a round of turns, you can tap Amara to untap herself. And so you get one token for each player each in a round of turn, turns. Yeah. Starting on turn three, you can really generate a ton of tokens very quickly. Yeah, turns out uh, the uh, Verdant Force is pretty good on turn three. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So, I mean, it looks like there's going to be some cool tech. Uh, also, they have lifelink. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, although, unfortunately, like, there aren't a lot of great life gain rewards in white as yeah. of yet. which is so weird. Hopefully that's something they can remedy in the future. Yeah. They do happen to be soldiers, and there are a decent amount... There is a decent amount of, like, soldier tribal effects. Mm-hmm. So that could be interesting. We've also seen a Planeswalker out of Guilds of Ravnica. It is Ral is it Viceroy. So Ral is three blue-red for a five-mana Planeswalker. He has plus one. Look at the top two cards of your library. Put one of them into your hand and the other into your graveyard. He also has minus three. Ral deals damage to target creature equal to the number of instant and sorcery cards you own in exile and in your graveyard. Yeah. And then minus eight, you get an emblem with, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, this emblem deals four damage to any target, and you draw two cards. So what do you <laughs> think of this Planeswalker and Commander? Yeah, I mean, the, this card is not very good <laughs> for yeah. Commander. I, I can imagine a standard environment where there's like a kind of control deck where you play this, and he like protects himself, and you've like drawn a lot of cards, and... Stuff like that, and you can ease your win condition, but I think for Commander, he's just so little value on that plus one, and the minus three, you can only really do once, and you can do better than spend five mana on a kill spell. Yeah, I think that um, the, like, is it spell slingery decks that are able to make his minus three relevant are also, like, faster and don't really need a five mana Planeswalker, like... yeah. For example, with Mizzix, you're comboing to win the game, and you really don't want to cut spells for permanence in your deck list. With, say, Jory and Ruin Diver, you want like cheap cantrips. You want yeah to keep the the cards flowing. You don't want to. You don't want like a lot of five drops in your deck, especially ones that are like kind of medium impactful, like. You would so much rather run Flame Slash than Ral is it Viceroy. <laughs> yeah, and again, like this is a case of like they put all the power in the emblem, and then it's why, mm-hmm. like please, like I, I I'm more okay with like a more mediocre emblem if you make the other abilities more fun. Mm-hmm. So, uh, <laughs> but we'll see. There's gonna be more. I mean, like. That we've already seen art for Vraska, so I'm looking forward to what she does. So hopefully there'll be some cool new additions. Yeah. I think we can move on to some of the other cards. Uh, let's just go in color order if that works for you. Yeah. So Conclave Tribunal is a four-cost enchantment. It is three and a white, and it has Convoke. And when Conclave Tribunal enters the battlefield, exile target non-land permanent opponent controls until Conclave Tribunal leaves the battlefield. So it's a Banishing Light for one more mana with Convoke. What what are your thoughts on this card? I think it's fine. I think most decks aren't going to need this, though. Mm -hmm. This seems like if you really wanted this effect, you would have already been running Oblivion Ring and the other, like, 
more abusable versions of yeah. it first. I, I mean, it's maybe your deck needs a critical mass of fiend hunters for whatever reason, but I can't really imagine that being super true. Like, yeah, you you can get a discount on it with the convoke, but uh, I don't know. I'm kind of lukewarm. Yeah. On it. I, I kind of agree. I think that we already have like a critical mass of banishing light effects. So each new one that we get has to do something really special to yeah. impact the format. I thought that cast out was pretty sweet for multiple reasons, mm-hmm. but this one is just a little bit too fair. I think. Yeah. I think only the decks that ha- can really produce a ton of tokens but not give them haste would potentially yeah. be interested in this yeah the the other thing is that they keep printing these where it says opponent mm-hmm. like opponent controls mm-hmm. and that is so sad because there's so many cool things you could do if you could like blink it and like blink your own thing so they're doing it specifically so it doesn't combo and it does what like the initial idea for oblivion ring was mm-hmm. but like oh come on guys mm-hmm. Next card I want to talk about is Quasi-Duplicate. This is one blue-blue for a sorcery. Create a token that's a copy of target creature you control, and it has Jumpstart. What do you think about Quasi-Duplicate? I think this is great. Um, There's a few decks that are already probably going to want this. Three mana spell cloning effects. There's a few of them already Mm -hmm. in rotation, and this one is pretty good just because it kind of has the flashbacky Jumpstart thing. And specifically, I'm talking about, like, Kega. I'm talking about commanders with, like, ETBs, stuff like that. Uh, I think it's a really niche card. mm -hmm. (laughs) But I think it does what it's doing really well. I think there's a couple new commanders it could potentially be interesting in. One that comes to mind is Brutoclad. Oh, yeah. Yeah, If you have, like, a a decent-sized creature that comes in and ETBs and makes a bunch of tokens. I don't know, like an Emrakul's Hatcher or something. You quasi-duplicate the Hatcher, and then you have a Hatcher token in addition to all your new Eldrazi spawn, and then suddenly all your six Eldrazi spawns become 3-3 three, three Emrakul's yeah. Hatchers. So that's exciting. Also, any deck that has Dual Caster Mage and is interested oh. in trying to do that combo. Yeah, that's pretty great. Like I really like these cheap options, and the fact that it gives you a second chance, potentially. You can mm-hmm. like bust this off in the early game to just get some value, and then later on... Like, yeah, use use, use it again start. once you after you draw your uh, dual caster. Yep. Next, next card I want to talk about super briefly. It's similar to Conclave Tribunal in the fact that it's like a a staple effect with the the set mechanic. Oh anyway. yeah, there's a few of these. Yeah. So uh, Sinister Sabotage is one blue blue for an instant counter target spell with Surveil one. So. Not a lot to say about this, but there are decks that run Dissolve in this format. Yeah. For example, like Baral, Chief of Compliance. He's excited to run that kind of effect. I think he would be happy to run this as well, because Surveil is mostly better than Scry. Yeah. I think in most Commander decks, it's better than Scry. Yeah. Oh, the next card I I wanted to talk about was Legion Warboss. Yeah. (laughs) Two and a red for a 2-2 Goblin Soldier with Mentor, and then at the beginning of combat, on your turn, create a 1-1 red goblin creature token. That token gains haste until end of turn, and attacks this combat if able. What do you think about this card? This is very aggressive. I mean, I think it's good. I think that if you're trying to be this aggressive, this is good. (laughs) In in which decks do you think this will see play? (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't know. Let me check that uh, the type line once again. <laughs> yeah, this is the kind of card that I'm kind of worried about. They push like specifically with goblins. I understand that people like aggressive goblins, but when you're looking at it through like the like commander lens, like red needs more stuff. So I understand it's it's uh, red needs a wider color pie exactly wider slice of the color pie so, not like a deeper one yes exactly because goblins it's it's pretty much strictly better to be a goblin as a red creature and commander just because there's so many things that care about that mm-hmm. but we really need to start like branching out and printing good red spells that don't necessarily care about goblins so that other red decks don't just have the obligatory goblin sub theme mm-hmm. but this does seem like, it'd be pretty dope in decks like Krenko, obviously. Oh, yeah. Also Zeta. Yeah, yeah. Potentially Perforos. Unlike Goblin Rabblemaster, it doesn't force all of your goblins to attack. It's yeah. just the goblin token it created this turn must attack. Next card we can talk about is Underrealm Lich, if that works for you. Underrealm Lich is a 4-3 zombie elf shaman for 3 black-green. And it has, if you would draw a card... Instead, look at the top three cards of your library, then put one into your hand and the rest into your graveyard. And it also has pay for life, Underrealm Lich gains indestructible until end of turn, tap it. A fun fact, you can't mill out with this card hmm. in play, so that's a, it's always fun when they print creatures that do that. So obviously, it fills up your graveyard pretty quick once it's out, mm-hmm. but I feel like there's a lot of power here and I'm not sure where exactly to put it. It could potentially be interesting in in Sidisi. Oh yeah, where you want like a bunch of mill triggers, basically. Yeah, like it's definitely a lot more appealing in Sidisi than similar cards like uh, Search for Iskanta or Sultai Ascendancy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> and it also and and like you said, it's a way to keep yourself alive. Like it is possible for Sidisi to completely mill itself out, and mm-hmm. so it's great that this guy. Can protect him, can protect himself, and keep you from dying in that in that case. Yeah, yeah, it's really until your worm tokens can get there. So another card that does this is Sages of the Anima, mm-hmm. but you have to pick a creature from the top three. Mm-hmm. Uh, so sometimes you don't have that, or sometimes in order to end the game, you needed something else that you had to not have access to anymore. So this is a lot more open ended, which is cool. I, th- I think that this card is definitely niche, though. Like, it is a five-mana card that doesn't really do anything immediately. Yeah, this is for the long game. Yeah, and, and it is nice that it protects itself. That def- definitely gives it a bunch of bonus points that it doesn't... It won't immediately get wiped by a wrath. Yeah, and the um, fact that there's no mana... Like, yeah, it, I can imagine a scenario where you end up paying, like, eight life maybe before your turn, mm-hmm. but then it's still there, and mm-hmm. you're still getting benefit out of it, and that's... Yeah, I don't know. I think I think I it mean, is in the cool. right deck. This is like drawn three cards. Yeah, you know? yeah, <laughs> exactly. So there's yeah. a few other things that aren't specific cards that we wanted to talk about. Yeah. So one exciting thing about the about Guilds of Ravnica and by implication Ravnica Allegiant yep. is that the Shocklands are returning, and uh, most of the art we've seen has been very good for these. Yeah, I, they're a lot more interesting than I thought they were going to be, mm-hmm. but or like um they definitely leaned into the city aspect of Ravnica a lot more than they have kind of in the past. 
I like, I really like this uh, Temple Garden art by Titus Lentner. Um, one of the things about this Ravnica set that sets it apart from the other Ravnica sets visually is that the art design is all about this being fall on Ravnica. The previous yep. Ravnica sets like had a f- relatively bright tone, and so this one is much darker. And for this Temple Garden art in particular, it almost looks like a card from Innistrad. No, yeah, a lot of the art, and we're going to see this too on the basics, there's a lot more like fog cover, there's a lot more like puddles on sidewalks. Leaves um, blowing leaves. in the wind. Yeah, so a creature will be running down the street and there's leaf, like um, fall like brown and red leaves blowing behind them or whatever, so that's kind of a cool visual cue. Prior to, say, Dominaria, during the two-block model, there had been a pretty consistent cycle going between this is the dark block, this is the light yeah, block. Yeah. So we had Battle for Zendikar, which, yeah, that, like it was, it was relatively colorful. Just, I mean, given yeah. the subject matter. Yeah. And then that went into Shadows over Innistrad, which naturally was much was darker. Really dark. Yeah. That we went from Shadows over Innistrad to Kaladesh block, which was bright, optimistic. We went from there to Amonkhet, which ended on like the <laughs> darkest note we've yeah. seen in a while. <laughs> And then from there we went to Ixalan, which was bright and colorful. And look at all these feathers on mm-hmm. the on the dinosaurs, on the dinosaurs, or like the tropical pirates. colors on these uh, merfolk. Uh, and then that kind of got thrown off a little bit with Dominaria, because Dominaria was all about like this is spring in Dominaria, and we're trying to show like the rebirth of this plane. But I think part of the reason they did that was it was them taking the opportunity to make the the dark light align to yeah. northern hemisphere seasons yeah because it's kind of weird if, if like we go back to Innistrad in the middle of april yeah <laughs> um i like that they took the opportunity to shift it to something that resonates a little better with you know northern, European, hemisphere, northern yeah. hemisphere audience yeah so and then also some a land related thing is they're releasing guild lands like guild basics there are going to be basic lands within guilds of Ravnica that are clearly aligned to one of the guilds. Cause that's kind of like, and that happens in that's happened before in Ravnica sets. But in addition to that, in the guild decks, there are basic lands that not only like clearly take place in this guild's territory, but also have a treatment on their uh, text box that is, it's like stylized and, and it comes from the, that guild's watermark. So, for example, like, on the Demir Swamp and Island, like, they replace the carapace of the Demir insect with the mana symbol and then have those legs sprouting out of it. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. It's it's kind of cool that we're going to get canonical lands <laughs> for each of the guilds. It's, that's an interesting idea. I think it's a really cool idea, too, because that's a... If you're out there and you're playing Commander, you've probably curated some of the lands in some of your decks before. Mm-hmm. And so this is kind of a cool little tool that they are giving people who care about like that angle. Like the fact that you can make a guild Commander, um, whether it's the Head or a Maze Runner or whatever Ravnica Commander you wanted, and then actually put the correct Ravnica lands, so to speak, in the deck also. That's like... that's pretty cool (laughs) yeah i like that idea a lot like uh, as you were saying most people when they play commander they've got 
either they don't care about basics at all and they just grab a pile, they like steal a bunch from the the stores, draft yeah. night or whatever, <laughs> or they have like eh, maybe a handful of arts for each basic land type and they will like exclusively stick to those for their decks. But here, these stylized basic lands seem like a way to expand the variety of basic lands that see play in Commander, because it seems it just seems like correct. No, I totally agree. I think this is something that like people actually do want. Mm-hmm. Um, like people like scream about full art lands, and like yeah, I think some full art lands are really cool. I think a lot of the Battle for Zendikar ones were not super like interesting yeah which is kind of sad um but i think i I like that they're finding ways other than full art lands to explore methods for tying in basic lands to the set we're currently yeah and i I, that's pretty much my point is i like when they find new ways to care about lands Mm -hmm. i think lands are a cool thing that obviously is like how magic works so finding ways to customize them like customize something that you need for every deck Mm -hmm. is very good uh, so another new thing coming out of Fields of Ravnica are, is the way they're handling handling masterpieces. So this is really unique in that it's not something you can open in just any pack. As far as we know, that, that doesn't appear to be the case. The way it uh, is working is there is Ravnica Mythic Edition, and yeah. <laughs> you instead of paying like 100 bucks or whatever for a box of Ravnica, you pay... 250 bucks for a box that contains 16 Ravnica packs and then eight packs, each of which is guaranteed to have a masterpiece in it. Yeah, and we've seen seven of them so far. The new Ral is in is one of these masterpieces, but then it's also planeswalkers from just across history, and they're all planeswalkers. There's Elspeth, uh, Knight Errant, Teferi Hero of Dominaria, uh, Doretti, Ingenious Iconoclast, the one from Conspiracy 2, I yes. think. Um, Liliana, The Last Hope, uh, the original Nicol Bolas Planeswalker, uh, and Tezzeret, Agent of Bolas. My prediction is that, like, probably... Vraska. Vraska is gonna be the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, and they didn't show us because they haven't shown her yet, is kind of what I'm thinking. Because if it was an old walker, like, why hold, like... And then the last one's Garrick. Like, yeah. why would they want no, to hold it? It makes sense. It's like they want to get maximum equity out of their previews. Yeah, yeah, so. exactly. One interesting detail to note is that Duretti, this version of Duretti in the art, you can tell he's on Kaladesh. Um, oh, yeah. That's really... I didn't think about that. Yeah, and, and uh, the treatment on the, these new masterpieces is very cool. It's like borrowing the technology used for the contraptions in Unstable in that the art extends all the way out to the the complete edge of the card. Like, there is no border on yeah. these. Um, so that, they, I think they look pretty great for the most part. Yeah, I'm wondering what, because I'm assuming they're going to have, like, a special foil treatment and, on top of the, like, full card art. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see, because pretty much we, we've seen the cards themselves, but we haven't seen in very good detail <laughs> mm-hmm. what they're going to look like. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm. Do you think there are going to be any masterpieces in addition to these eight? And do you think that there will be a chance to open these masterpieces in a regular pack of Ravnica? Or do you think it's only the mythic edition that's going to have them? I don't know. I don't, I actually just don't 
think I think this is gonna be it. I think that's how they're gonna try. I think they're gonna try this for this set, and maybe they have something planned for next set because it's already so far down the pipeline. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we're gonna get masterpiece masterpieces within Ravnica. I don't know. It it seems like they're being really careful with not just reprints but also promos now. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure how. I think they want to see how this is going to go over if they just do it like this, is my guess, because we're in the the feedback era. Yeah, they've definitely been doing a lot of experimentation lately, so it would make sense that they do it this way for this set, and maybe also Ravnica Allegiant, but that they would switch it up to something else in the future, just in case this was this yeah this, this scheme up. was poorly received. Yeah, because we also... Oh no, we've seen the Buy Box promo, it's the same kind of thing, right? It's a different... Yeah. The fact that they just have a unique card as yeah. a box promo. Yeah, that's that's what's happening this time again, right? Yes, okay. but with Dominaria, they did Fire Song and Sunspeaker. They like definitely aimed low with the power level. Yeah. Then they aimed high with the power level with Nexus of Fate in M19. And yeah. then they went back to low. Low, yeah. I think Nexus of Fate is the outlier in terms yeah. of what box promos are going to look like. They just wanted to get that data point. So yeah. to give them the information to plan like into the far future what buy box promos are going to look like. Yeah, I also want to say that they just they didn't do themselves any favors. Like they could have given more stats and numbers and had the panic not happen mm-hmm. if they were a little more like transparent about the whole thing and they they weren't. You mean if they just said like, "Hey, we're going to be testing low power and high power buy box." Well, one of the so it was obviously it was good in the Turbo Fog deck that was in standard. Yeah. Um but one of the things about it was there's more copies of it in circulation than there are of any just mythic from M19. But people panicked well, about it. It was kind of like an artificially inflated. I think that that piece of information is a little bit misleading. Okay, I don't know enough about economics, but I feel <laughs> like what I'm about to say is correct. Um, if you were just like trying to get these cards the fair way and not do getting and not going out of your way to buy singles. Like, the fair way to open any given Mythic is, like, you could spend $4 on any pack and get your Arcades, the Strategist, or whatever. So, like, the bare, the minimum amount of money you can spend to get an Arcades is $4. The minimum amount of money you can spend to get an Excess of Fate is $100. Yeah. And I feel like that is going to have an influence on the price Okay, yeah, I see what you're talking about. Because I, I, I don't know how long... They, they, they usually have a ban on how stores can't sell their extra copies of promos for a set amount of time. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if we've hit that time yet and they can start selling the promos they didn't give away. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely going to drop at least somewhat when that happens. Yeah. Just because there are... I mean, they, they have said that they've printed more of them but, than people And also, think. like, what are the systems in place for monitoring... Whether stores are actually distributing the promos. Yeah, I have no idea. Like, all of the promos. But I think that covers it for this little mini thing. Yeah, we got a lot of new information, and spoilers start on the 10th, so we'll have more podcast episodes covering those spoilers later. So yeah, see you later. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with me, I am at Commander Theory on Twitter and Tumblr. If you want to reach Zach, he is at Fat Bartleby on Twitter and Tumblr. The opening song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy, and you can check him out on SoundCloud. We'll talk to you guys next time. <laughs>